welcome back to the What The Folk Sunland Review Show. It was a very happy New Year's for Sunland as Michael Beale's Red and Whites took a very professional and deserved three points with a 2-0 win over Preston North End at the Stadium Light on New Year's Day. Whisper it quietly, but things feel a little bit positive today um, and we're more than happy to run through it. Joining me, as always, is Bradley Sharp. Brad, how are you, mate? You okay? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Happy New Year to you and to Lee and... The two who've decided not to join us and all the listeners. Um, good man, I'm starting to come down with this flu that's going on though. Just mm. a nightmare because I'm going back to work tomorrow. So if I phone in sick, they're going to think something's going on, aren't they? Um, but yeah, I'm good. Uh, very positive after today. Um, nice to see you and Ash as well. That was nice to run into you. It was, yeah. Bumming into each other before the game, which is unusual. Normally you see each other through the medium of a screen. A screen, a screen in uh, Zoom. Lee, happy new year, mate. How are you? Are you okay? Happy new year, mate. And happy new year to all the listeners and all the lads and that. I'm spot on, mate. Very, very positive after today. I'm very, very happy. Worryingly positive, isn't it? Um, Brad, first and foremost, how was your new year, mate? Was it good? What did you do? What did you get up to? Um... Put the band to bed at at past seven. Me and Rob went to bed at quarter to ten. Woke up for a quick New Year's midnight kiss. Then went back to bed, woke up for the game today. That's literally all I did. The two lads were elsewhere having parties or what have you. And I just had a nice relaxed night in, which is quite good actually, Graham, because uh, last year I was in Blackpool and you seen the state of me when we recorded live. I was in a bad, bad way, so it was nice to go today quite sober. <laughs> <laughs> Lee, how was your new year, mate? All right. Very, very quiet. Very, very quiet. Just sat and watched the telly all night and just went as better respectable time until all the fireworks went off and set the dog off. I, I was the same. I, I think I went to bed at 11, missed about my phone until 12, and then New Year's case at night with Ash, to which I got a grumble back because she was sound asleep, so... Uh, I did quite, as you can see, the What The Folk Boys are very much um, party animals, especially when it comes to New Year's Day and uh, whatnot, but uh, maybe we're just getting sensible in our old age. But um, on to the match, the most important thing, probably the reason why we kept ourselves relatively sober and in, in, uh, in, in early beds. But Brad, it was a really comfortable win for us today in, in like many ways. Like One of the questions was, is was the second half boring today? And it, to be honest, it kind of was, but that's because of how comfortable it was. But it's a, it's a lovely start of the new year because it was a dead professional performance, um, effectively won before half time. How are you feeling after the win? Yeah, you summed it up there. I think we came out first half with a better side, deservedly went ahead with two brilliant goals. Um, and it wasn't, albeit people say it was boring, professional is the best way to say it. Beals clearly said to them at half-time, don't take any more risks because this game's ours now. Let's keep a clean sheet. But yeah, it was just no need to take any risks second half. If we if we do go and get a goal, fantastic. If not, just don't concede and the game's sewn up. So, yeah, you can say it was boring, but the game was won at half-time by some outstanding performances, which I, I'm sure will come on to. And to be fair, <laughs> I don't usually like the early kickoffs because... It puts us in a false position, but then the results of the rest of the day so sort of made my year already. That was stayed was we've stayed in sixth, and yeah, it's just all around a really good day, good performance, good win. Can't complain. To be honest, the DOS was good as well, and you've enjoyed that. So even the DOS worked out well. 
Um, Lee, same question to you. Uh, dead comfortable, dead professional. How are you feeling after it? Very, very good. Um, it's like there's a few more I don't know if with this content or just the case where people want us to press a little bit more. It was like with no no need to turn it up. And if against the better side, the might would have caused a little bit more trouble. But I thought, um, yeah, I thought Preston were awful. And uh, we didn't have to get out of third gate to go and win the game. As you say, we got our two goals in the first half. And we used to set in our just like, rest your legs, lads, just be disciplined at the back. And we were. And this is a lot, a lot of standout, standout performances from there. But credit where credit's due. I thought Bale got everything spot on, not just from his team selection, but his game management as well. Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of people, um, look, when, ugh, I've said this a million times over, you kind of do a podcast, not have an opinion. Um, it would be the most boring podcast on the planet if when we appointed a manager, we came on and just went, well, let's see how it goes. That would just, it, it's, I'm, I don't sit on the fence. I don't get spokes on my ass. I'm honest. I'm quite happy to change my opinion on stuff. And I'm certainly not completely bowled over by anything Beal's done. Just at this point, in the same way that I'm not completely writing him off. Um, credit where credit's due. I've said I don't think you would be a good appointment. I thought tactically he got it absolutely spot on today. And I thought he got it absolutely spot on against Hull. And I think we're going to come on to that. Uh, but it bodes really, really well. I think that the Rotherham was really poor. Coventry was really poor. There's caveats, I suppose, to both in the sense that Rotherham, you, it's your second day in your second game in three days or something. I know you can say the same again today, but you know that you can't say the players wouldn't be tired or there's been an element of fatigue with the amount of games that we've played in the first game against Coventry. It was poor, but I think a lot of that was. And I even said it after the game, I thought the players didn't put in the shift that they should have put in at that point. And for whatever reason, we weren't good in that game. But since that Coventry match, when we were all very worried, I think, we've kind of rescued a point and very nearly nicked a win at Rotherham. And the other two games, we've deservedly won. And today, with, with ease. And I think there's two games at least, if we're talking whole and we're talking today, where Beale got it tactically very, very right. Um, we were talking off air before here, Lee, and I said, look, one thing I'd say with Beale on that performance today, I love Tony Mowbray, but I think Preston score one and we've got squeaky bomb time at the end of that game because I think Mowbray goes, I'll go on, lads, express yourself a bit. I think Beale was tactically switched on today in the sense that he was like, you've played three games in six days or something, seven days. You don't need to go and bust a gut. The game's won. Just don't do anything daft and stay strong defensively. But you said their credit to Beal. He has to be given credit daily, doesn't he? He, he did well. He did. Another thing that impressed me as well is that I don't think Johnny wanted to take Pritchard and whoever he brought on for Jensen Sealed. But I think he substituted for Pempele. It didn't work. So now the lads just come back from like a really, really bad injury and he looked totally off the pace when he came on. It was like within five minutes, he was just totally shot to bits. And that's no fault of his. I tell you, he's had a bad injury. And obviously, he played, was it half an hour the other night against Rotherham? So, he, you think he said he's had half an hour of like main football. So, it's not a surprise. So, he adapted himself then. May change. I don't think he actually wanted to. But, it was, again, it's down to his, it was down to his game management today. And look, he's, he's still got a long way to go to convince me. But, he, I said last week, if he can get seven points from these next three games, you it's a very, very good return. If it was the other way around where we beat Wotherham and got a point at the hole, people wouldn't be, I wouldn't see him murmurs of complaints, but I think it was, he's 
recovered from a very, very bad start. And it's give you a little bit of hope of what we could do against the top sides because we've been clamouring like all season for a different way of playing. You can't be expansive and playing pretty football every single week. You need to find other ways to win. And I think he's, he did that against Hull and he's done that again today. Yeah, I agree. Um, massive credit to him on that. Like, if we're going to criticise and stay like stuff like that, you've got to give him praise at the same time. And I think he does deserve it. And there's a long way to go in the season for him to prove us completely wrong from our original thoughts or completely right on, you know, our original thoughts, whichever way it may be. But I'd say at least 50% of those games that he's had so far, two of those games, he's, he's brought something to the club in terms of a different way of playing, been a bit steelier at the back, two clean sheets, which we've been crying out for a little bit. But um, Brad, we'll move on from, from Michael Beale a little bit because, and say it quietly here, we've been asking for it for ages, but we finally have a goal from a striker. Um, we haven't seen Rusin for a while, and I think Ross has been calling him for weeks to start. We've all said, look, give one of these strikers just a bit of a bash, maybe, see, see how it goes. And I think if we were to choose one, we've all kind of felt like if anyone's going to catch fire, it might be Rusin. I thought he was great today, and I'm so chuffed for him getting that goal. But um, how impressed you were with his performance and and how delighted were you to see him score, you know, for him and, and for the club? Yeah, it's the monkey off the back now, isn't it? Um, a striker scored, which is... It might actually give the other strikers a bit of confidence if they have to come in as well. But finally, they're not going to be... We're waiting for the first one. But with Mouton, you can tell he's got a little bit more experience about him because although he wasn't on the ball all the time, some of the runs he was making, he was always looking to get in behind. He was waiting for the threaded pass. If it wasn't coming off, he'd do it again. He was just being busy. Like He would, he would have been an absolute nightmare for their centre-halves. Because he was just he was playing between the two of them, and I mean one of them tried to assault him, I would say, um, and that was pretty much the only way we were gonna, they were going to try and stop him. And his goal was a perfect striker's goal because if you watch his movement, although it looks just like a tap in, he's waited, he's waited on the blind side of their centre half, and he's he's just waited for that second that Clark's going to pull the pull the ball back, and he's just nipped in front of the, their centre half who didn't see him coming. And that's what you get from playing a striker in a striker's position because I know we've said Job's done a job there. Dak, albeit, hasn't been great for us, but even if you put Bar there, Pritchard, they don't make them runs and we don't score that second goal. And then the, 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 the game the game plan at half-time that we've just touched on and said how, how we've managed it is completely different. So, yeah, massive credit to him because ultimately he... His movement there and his finish just killed the game off. Albeit, I think the, the plaudits will go to Jack Clark because his run was absolutely exceptional. Um, but yeah, I'm delighted for him. And I, I was I was quite chuffed with 09 as well. Once he had the, the team celebration, he pushed him back to the fans to have his moment. And then at the end, I don't know if you've seen, there was a little, there was a kid had a Ukraine flag and he came over and he swapped the Ukraine flag for his shirt. And I think that that's a massive moment in his son and career knowing that I think now he knows he's got a home here and the fans are all behind him trying to get a song for him shouting his name that'll do him the world of good not just the goal the fact that he sees all the fans are behind him that, that'll do that. That's it's massive and look it's his shirt now there's none of this we, well, we'll have to change it because we have to get another striker in and see what we can do it's his shirt now 
and he knows that. And that's only going to be a good thing for us because the confidence will keep going. Yeah, delighted for him. And I think, you know, I, I see it sometimes online and someone even put it in our comments today that um, I'm too defensive of sections of the fan base. But I think it's because I see things like that. Like, for me, we'll always be the best fans in the world. And, like, you can argue till the cows come home. You can whinge at me you can give me evidence and i'll still tell you something to the best fans in the world because that's what i believe um and i think you're right i've seen the thing with the ukrainian flag and i think you know that's a kid that hasn't really set fire i know we're going to come on to the difficulties that he's had that have kind of came out a bit in the in the wash today but i think when you look at the struggles all of the strikers have had It'd be quite easy to us to have completely given up on them today. But today, you had a little chant, the Rusa and Rusa, and at the end was great. Switching the flag with his fan, with the fans, oh nine shoving them in. And I thought he played really well today. And I think a lot of that comes from you know the fans willing him on to do really well. And I think I think he stood up today. I thought he was one of the best players on the park. And we spoke about Burstow during the week, me and Ross, and then we said like. He didn't really do much, but he was actually making the runs, to be fair, to Burstall. Like, he was actually getting in the box, and that just got us a bit further up the pitch. Rusin was like a better version of that today. I looked to see how many times he was getting in the box. He was always in the box. It, and it was just strike his instinct. It wasn't like he was going, I better stand in the box. He was like a proper centre forward, like making the runs, running the channels, getting in the box, and just giving an option. And you said it before, Brad, like, he must have been a nightmare for, I think it was Liam Lindsay was at the back. Um, and the other lad who was next to him because he was just splitting them and the other half is trying to look after the other half of the defence is trying to look after Jack Clark which let's be honest it's got to the point now where I think we don't even mention how good Jack Clark is because he's just consistently brilliant like he's just he's a nightmare for defenders he's far too good for this league in my opinion up there with one of the best if not the best Um, but Sticking with Rusin, Brad, the one thing I wanted to mention, I think it came out today that he's moved over. He's he's not really speaking fluent English yet. He's progressing with it. But he moved over to a country without his wife and without his kids, I think. And I think it's kind of sounded like it's been difficult for him, naturally. And there's probably things you don't see or think about, really, because you kind of watch 90 minutes of football and you have an opinion on it. But, you know, Brad, he's come from a war-torn country where he's played in front of no fans, I, I think, um, as the Ukrainian game goes. I think, I believe that's how it is at the moment, or, or smaller fans. His wife and his kids are in a country which is going through, her, for the want of a better word, a really horrendous time at the moment and a really difficult time. And I think we've all seen, I know, I know um, one Ukrainian lad and I understand what's going on over there at the moment. And I think... You hear it from the players like Zinchenko and stuff like that. You've seen like the emotion that comes out of them because football is something that brings them together through a really difficult time for their country. And you're looking at Rusin and he's come over here. He's 25, yeah, but he's he's completely new to the area and everything. He's had to come over and leave his wife and his children at home for whatever reason that may be. But his wife and his kids are at home or his family or whoever it may be are at home in a place that's going through a difficult period at the moment and when he goes home after training and he can't really speak to anyone because he doesn't speak fluent English or doesn't feel confident in it just yet, he's not on the team 
and he knows where his family is, it must have been increasingly difficult for him week on week. And for him to put in a performance like that, Brad, I think is even more testament to him as a, a character. And I think when you add in all of that stuff, stuff we probably haven't realised until it's been mentioned today, like what a character we've probably got there as well. Um, he could really push on from this. And I, I really want him to do well here because of that. Um, but you don't realise what sometimes people go through, do you, Brad, when you hear things like that? It's not just that, Graham. I think in general, a lot of people forget that footballers are human beings. And I think that gets overlooked more than anything. Um, but yeah, credit to him. I think what has sort of maybe helped him settle slightly is that, uh, what's the kid that we signed? Is it Tutierov? Yes. Yeah, I think that's helped him settle ever so slightly from what I have heard as well. Because I think that kid speaks quite good English. So it it is good for him that he had that network with him there. Um, but yeah, credit to him. Because it can't be easy. I mean, no, nowhere near the same scale. I work away week on, week off. And I don't see my family for a week. And I know they're safe at home. And even that's difficult for me sometimes. So put that on a scale of him being halfway around the world or the other side of Europe. Not knowing if his family's safe. Or what? It's yeah, it's got to be incredibly difficult. But credit to him because when when you when you do see him in the training videos and things like that, he's he's never seemed to be sulking or shying away. Or when you see him warming up, he he seems to be at least trying to communicate with the lads on the touchline when he is warming up. And when you watch the behind the scenes stuff, when we've had a win, he's celebrating on the bench with the players. So he, I, I do feel like the lads are all behind him, um, and I wouldn't expect anything different because all you do hear from from the noise around the club is the, the, the team are like brothers. They're, they're just like a little family themselves and they've all got each other's back. And that's short today. Again, I'd go back to his goal. They were all around him. Um, and then let him have his little moment because they knew how much it meant to him too. So yeah, it's massive from going forward. It's, it's again, it's that massive burden that's off. It, he hasn't got that on him anymore. He's got his first goal for Sunderland. He's the first striker to score this season. Albeit, it's taken to the 2024, which none of us really would have thought was going to happen, but credit to him, credit to him, and I, I really do hope he pushes on and he, he's the main man for us. Um, just want to point out before we move on from Rusin as well, I think he's a right hard little bugger. He got knocked all over the shop today and he just got up and dusted himself down every time, and I'll tell you what, that'll go a long, long way in terms of uh, us liking him. As you can tell, uh, Naz Rusin is already my favourite player this season and deserves the Ballon d'Or is my thought process in today's episode um, Lee, there was loads of stand-up performance today though we talked about it before uh, tons of people we could pick out we do the normal thing where we pick a player out but it could be anyone today who was who was your stand-up performer? For me, I thought I had to be Luke 9 I thought he was brilliant I thought he was absolutely brilliant I said earlier on the week if he just does the basics, doesn't get involved with any shithousery, anything like that, he is a brilliant defender. And he showed that today. He was outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. He didn't get involved in any bollocks. Just sit there, did his job, defended properly, and he was class. Absolutely class. But as you see, he could go through the whole entire team. He could go through the whole entire team. But so to me, 9 was my man of the match. I thought he was class. I thought he was absolutely brilliant. He led the team like a proper, proper captain. Like a proper captain today. No, see, he gets his fair share of stick for not being a proper centre back. But today he showed he showed why the coaching staff have stuck with him and Ballard 
all season because the Preston forwards, regardless if it's Chet Evans or Will Keane or whoever they brought on, they never got a sniff. They never got a sniff. I want to point out with that with O'Neill, we've dug him out a couple of times because he has done stupid stuff and got involved in silly things and cost us a bit. But I tell you what, sometimes he's absolutely brilliant and he just deserves more credit for it. He was fantastic against Leeds. He was absolutely outstanding today. He was my man of the match as well. Um, and I'm not seeing enough said about it. Uh, he's, he's great. He absolutely adores this football club. And um, for all these flaws that you occasionally can have, I'd take Luka Nine a million times. And that might not be a popular opinion, but tough. I love him. I think he's great. It goes to show, like, the game we've got of the weekend, obviously the first time I've played these in a long, long time since, like, the Premier League era. And you look at all them Premier League players and you compare them to Logo 9, and Logo 9 knows how, knows how fortunate he is to play for a club the size of Sunderland, which is all that all every single Sunderland fan has asked for from a Sunderland player, just to go out there and show how lucky you are to play for a club like Sunderland. And he does it week in, week out. Yes, he's not perfect every single week. And he has his fair share of critics. Some of them are some of them are genuine and they deserve to be. But when he goes out and puts performances like that a day, just goes to show how good of a player he is and why everyone around the place loves him and why fans love him for. He's can we see if he cuts out all the the nonsense, he's a really, really top championship centre back. Yeah, I he think is. so too. Like I, I, see, I, I, I struggle sometimes with the the Luke online stuff because I think he's great and I sometimes think maybe I just don't know me football which is to be fair fair point probably but um, there's another player Brad that I wanted to bring you on to because uh, I imagine Luke online might be in your standout however there's one person who um, I think might not have been as rated as highly as he should have been in the boardroom in the summer and very nearly went um, to Lou and three assists uh, sorry, four assists, I think, and two goals in his last 326 minutes of football. Outstanding goal today. Um, this feels to me like the best Alex Pritchard has ever looked in a red and white shirt this season. But Brad, we love him. How good is he today? The reason you think he looks the best is because I think he's trying to do the do the talking with his feet by sticking his fingers up at the board to try to get a shot of him. And he knows there's a window here now. And his contract's come at the end. And it showed that rather than away, the fans are all singing his name. And then today, just constantly singing his name. That we all love him. And he feeds off that. He loves that. But he, he was phenomenal. But we know we know how good he is. I just can't understand how we were so close to getting rid of him. It just makes no logical sense to me at all. If he's your only experienced player, he's the one you keep. If you've got a list of all the lads who were in the summer, he's the one at the top that you say, right, we need a new contract to. Um, but yeah, he was outstanding, mate. Um, great finish. I mean, when was the last time he scored from outside the box? Like, I, I can't remember. It, it must have been, well, apart from Clark the other night, which was a deflection. Mm. Um, but like, like a great strike, you're looking back off the top of my head, maybe it's Clark at Chef Weds, Equa. Equa. Whenever, but it just shows what, what he's capable of doing as well. And we know he's got that in the locker. Um, I've said and I, I think I've said it a few times as well I don't know if i said it on air but I know Clark's the, the standout man and we've got like the talent of Patrick Roberts and things like that but technically gifted as a, as a footballer I think Alex Pritchard's the best we've got 
I think he is that good. Um, don't know if you heard that. That was a car going past. Uh, I think he's that good. Um, he's just someone. That I, 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 if he if he goes, we lose a massive part of that team. He, he's when he's on form and playing like he was today. You know, the difference he made against Rotherham and the games he's came on through the season. He's he's going to be as big a miss as if we were, were to sell Ballard, Clark, anything like that. Because what he, what he can influence on games, his numbers in goals and assists throughout the whole of a season, are there to be seen. Um, and his set players are getting a bit better as well, I think. Um, I remember, was it the League One season, everyone was complaining, like, we weren't great at them. We were always hitting the first man or hitting them too deep. And then last season, we barely scored off a set player. And in the season, he's putting them into good areas and giving us an opportunity. So, yeah, I, I love Alex. Love Alex Pritchard. Um and I hope the board are starting to see this as well, that they've pissed a lot of people off lately. One thing they can do to get us started, get us back on side, to realise is how much Alex Pritchard makes us a better a better team and give him a new deal. He, he, he'd sign a new deal. If it was an extension of the current deal he's on, he would sign it. Because I think he, he's just settled here. He loves being here. So, yeah, love the bloke. Yeah, me too. Um going to go on to listeners' questions, but really quickly, we've got a couple more. And I want to... Uh, give kudos to Pato and also Pierre Equa today. Uh, there's been a bit of worry about Pato, sort of Bristol City, Coventry game. He's responded really well. He had another good game today. He looks back on the, the straight and narrow. And I've been quite vocally critical of Equa. I thought he looks like he's dialed it in sometimes. I thought he was absolutely incredible uh, down at Hull. And I thought he was brilliant today. Um, that's much more like the Pierre Equa that I'm that I'm used to. But um, big shout out for Daniel as well. Look, different gravy, Daniel. What a player. Um, but I want to go into listeners' questions. But before we do, Lee, I need to mention one thing. He hasn't played for about seven, eight months. I was buzzing to see him back. I think someone the other week said, I asked who Sunderland's most underrated player was and someone said him. And I kind of agree with that. I think we forget how good he actually is. Um, I thought he was flawless today. I don't think he put a foot wrong. And considering he hasn't played for best part of a year, that's massive testament to him. And I'm delighted to see him back. Um, Adji Alessi, how how brilliant was he today, considering all the caveats to it being his first start of the season and, and all that kind of stuff, Lee? If you watched Sunderland for the first time this season, you wouldn't think Adji Alessi had been injured for eight months. He was class. He was brilliant. Michael Bale said the same thing. He was just nice and calm. Did nothing wrong. Now I said that I'd stand next to me. What I like more than having the centre forward on the pitch is balance. Is balance in your team. Having that left back, actually a left, like a proper left back in your team, change the dynamic because he didn't do it all the time. But he, when he was going on the overlap of Clark and like overlapping Clark, it opened the space up. And it allowed us to be tightly flexible. Because when we had the ball in possession, it was like a th- we we're playing like a three-five-two. But when we we're out, out of possession, it was like a four. It was like a four-two-three-one. But and I say it was brilliant today. Alessi didn't obviously if he didn't have cram, I don't think I think he would play the ninety. But I'm saying I was a bit worried when I watched. I watched him in the twenty-three the week when he played forty-five minutes and he did look a little bit off the pace. But when the team sheet came out today and he was in it, I goes right. He must be must be ready, and he was class. We didn't put a foot wrong. He was brilliant. Just the agile say that we all know and love. Yeah, I thought it was superb. Um, 
naturally you worry when you've been out that long, but that was just Adji's if he'd played last week. So it was brilliant. Um, in listeners' questions, I want to stick with Elise because it was a really good question that came in. And it's a really lovely question because it's great to actually like have the choice. Um, Huggins has been brilliant this season. Hume's done really well at left back, but let's be honest, our two left backs, if they're fully fit, are Dennis Serkin and Adji Elise. John's asked, who would you pick, Lee? Would you pick, if they're both fully fit, Dennis Serkin or Adji Elise? That's a question. It's rough, That's isn't it? I'm struggling with it. I'd probably edge towards Dennis Serkin, but I don't think a fully fit Dennis Serkin exists. I, uh, the only way I'd go for a Dennis Serkin is because I think he offers you more going forward than what Elise does. Elise seems like a more old-fashioned, no-nonsense left-back way. Defence is his main objective. Where Dennis Serkin's like an attack-minded fullback. If they, yeah, but they both have the same different qualities. I suppose I'm trying to dodge the question here because I don't really want to answer it because they're both just as good as each other. I think it depends but, on the game, doesn't it? Because like, uh, if you want a bit more defensive solidity, a bit more aerial strength, you go Elise. If you want to just like play like, camping in the other team's box and having a right go, you you probably go Serkin, but. You could play either of them in that situation, a game where you need to be a bit more defensive, a bit more physical, and a game where you need to be a bit more attacking um, and a little less on the defensive. And even if you played the other one that, you know, say you played Elise in the more attacking games, like today, for example, and Serkin in the more physical games, they're actually kind of working both. Um, you're not losing too much. I think it's a lovely choice to have. And I just wish Huggins was involved in that conversation as well for the, the right or left back situation. But our fullbacks are actually really good on there, to be honest. The lad next to me, I'll well, give him a shout out to one of the lads that sits next to me again. We have arguably the best set of fullbacks in the division for having five. You're looking like Hume, Huggins, Elise, Sergan, and Pembele. Because I think obviously Pembele is playing the Champions League now in the Championship. But you need all them five options because four of them are all injury prone. Which is not a criticism of them, but for them, like you, you'd never have like your two first choice fullbacks fit all the time. But I, I, I when it comes to the fullback areas, I don't think any team, and this in, probably includes Leicester, I don't think any team can touch us with the fullbacks in the league. I think we have the best fullbacks in the league, and I've said it since the beginning of the season. Like you could, you're not losing anything by putting Nile Huggins in instead of Trey Hume, or putting Dennis Serkin in instead of Argelisi. You're not losing nothing because they're both. All four of them are just as good as each other. And that's a testament to the recruitment that. Mate, look, we lost Philip Barsley in 2013. We've only just replaced him. It's, 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 <laughs> it's the daft thing. We've only just we're like getting it right. We've spent ages getting left backs in on loan from every Tom, Dick and Harry. But, Billy, Billy Joan, oh. Billy, Billy Joan. <laughs> um. I, it's almost like you're just completely writing off Brendan Galloway from this conversation. I'm shocked and appalled. Um, still a championship footballer, which is madness. So they say, Plymouth. I don't know if I agree with that. Um, Brad, there's a really good question here from Josh. We've got a couple of minutes left here, so we'll, we'll get through a couple more and then do a quick good, bad, and hmm. Uh, this is a difficult question. I'm not answering it. Like, do we bring Robert Strip back in for the Derby next week if he's fit? And if so, who do you bring him in for? Yes. And I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think you've got. Um, I think you've got to play him if he's fit. I would. I, I would. I would play him. I've, you've got to shoehorn him in. And I, I know he hasn't had the output this season in goals and assists, but 
He's in our top three most gifted players. And I would be really interested to see how he gets on against, I'm going to say, top Premier League opposition because as much as I hate them and what have you, they've been in the Champions League, they've been to a cup quarterfinal this season. Look, they've got injury problems and that, but I want to see Patrick Roberts. I want to see Jack Clark. I want to see Joe Bellingham, Alex Pritchard, all testing themselves against these type of player. What I don't want to see is at the uh, quarter 12 next week, I look at the team sheet and Abdullah Bar starting. Oh, God. <laughs> no offence to Abdullah, but I'd no, love you to prove me wrong, but, but no thanks. I, I said the other week for a bit of balance on Abdullah, like earlier this season, he was keeping Roberts out the side. So he has he has got it in him, but lately he's been not the best. Um, bless him. But yeah, I, I, I would have to, you'd have to get Patrick Roberts in, in somewhere. I don't know where. That's why I'm not the coach. But for me, yeah, he's, he's got to come back in if he's fit. And that means fully fit. Look, if, if he's only 70-80%, then probably he's not, no. He has to be fully fit, ready to go. Yeah, I agree. Look, I think um, with Roberts, I'll keep it short and sweet. He's the most talented player, potentially, at the club. Um, the likes of him, Clark, Pritchard, Job, are kind of what I'm pinning my hope on next week. And it's a tough game. It's a really tough game next week. Like, we might hate them, but they're a, they're a good, good team in terms of players have got in the paper and there's a reason they beat PSG for one and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think there's more of a chance of us springing a surprise if you prefer with Roberts on the pitch. So for me, Roberts plays every day of the week. Um, we've got like a minute 30 left, so I'm going to go with the quick, good, bad, and the hum. Uh, Lee, what's your good? What's your bad? What's your hmm? Good, as I said. I'm going to give it to Michael Bale for the way he set us up today. Me bad. Again, this is not trying to bring him out, but I thought Abdullah Bar was very, very wasteful today when he came on. Trying to stick up for the lad because everyone's been on his case, but he doesn't help himself. And me, hmm, is it wrong that I'm getting slightly confident about next week if we can play and defend like we did today? And that's a totally different class of opposition, but. If we can keep them tight, I don't know if it's just because it's them. If we can keep it tight and get our players on the pit, get our top players next on the game, there is no reason why we can't go and give them a game next week. No comment. Brad, really quickly, good, bad? Hmm. Good, Rusin getting his goal. Bad, Abdullah, I'm afraid. Um, and the hmm, controversial one, the fans walking out when we 2-0 up and the stadium being half empty when we should be really cheering them off the pitch, really. But hmm. Mine is very simple. Mine is good. Oh, 9 getting recent to celebrate with the crowd and getting them to get the plaudits. Uh, the bad was early kickoff. Don't like it. The, hmm, Michael Beale, 7 points from 12. Am I on the turn? Happy New Year. No more, no more speaking about it. That's it. That's it done. Bye, 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 bye everyone.